So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. We'll pick up where we left off from last time. We're looking at uh, four different people in this chapter. Uh, last time we looked at Paul, or Saul, spent quite a bit of time on him. Now we're, um, we're going to look at Philip, and maybe uh, Simon the sorcerer, and, um, you know, who knows how far we'll get. I, um, I don't want to rush through this. Um, you know, I read this uh, the start the last time. It's about revival, and it's um, a pretty interesting definition. Revival is merely the intensification of the normal operations of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of sin, regeneration, and sanctification, and assurance of salvation through the ordinary means of grace, so preaching the, preaching the word of God in prayer. Um, he's not typically doing a new thing as much as he is pouring great power on the normal things faithful Christians are already doing. Prayers become more intense. Worship becomes more joyous. Repentance becomes more sorrowful. And the preached word yields a greater effect. So I really like that because, you know, the Holy Spirit really is the one who intensifies what we're doing. And we're going to look at Philip tonight. We're going to look at the Ethiopian eunuch, maybe um, even Simon, you know. But, um, you know, these were, um, you know, these were folks that were just willing to be used by God. You know, and isn't it, isn't it nice to know that all you have to do is be available? You know, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Lord, he'll do the rest. You know, we just need to be willing to say, okay, Lord, use me. Use me. And, and he will. He will. But, you know, you've you got to be serious when you tell him, Lord, use me, because he'll use you. So I like that definition. And you know what I like about it? It's ta- it talks about the normal. It's, it's the normal operation of the Holy Spirit. It's just intensified. You know, in our, our normal day-in and day-out lives, I mean, you know, that's our faith, right? That's how we live out our faith. We get up in the morning, we do whatever, you know, and we go through the day trusting the Lord. And um, the first person we're going to look at tonight is Philip. And it's interesting because, you know, Philip, one day after he got saved back in Acts chapter 6, woke up one day, he was part of the multitude, those who got saved, um, he woke up one day and um, somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, we got this thing going on with the Hellenistic widows. And he was, he was a Hellenistic Jew, Hebrew, you know, Jew. And um, they said, hey, can you help us ministering to these widows? And he said, sure. Just like Stephen did and the other um, five guys that they tapped on the shoulder. Woke up one day and they were just asked if they could serve if they'd be willing. Picked out of the multitude of people that had gotten saved since Acts chapter 2. Um, you know, I, I like to use the word ordinary, but just, you know, ordinary folks, you know, filled with the Spirit of God, just willing to serve. And, um, you know, Philip said, yeah, sure, you know, I'll do it. Stephen said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And, um, you know, we know in the previous chapter, Acts chapter 7, he, um, he confronts the religious folks of his day and um, ends up getting stoned and, you know, he ends up in glory. 
And it's interesting that God doesn't waste um, any of these situations, anything, you know, we read in the Word, you know, you see it. I mean, Stephen was, was martyred, but, you know, Paul was there holding the coats of those who were stoning him. And there's a few references when you look at some of the messages that Paul preached. You know, you can, you, you hear a little bit of Stephen's message to, um, you know, the religious folks at that time before they stoned him. You know, his death had a huge effect, a huge impact on, on Saul or Paul, and uh, who knows how many other people. So, you know, the Lord is going to use us, whether it's to our last breath, like it was with Stephen, or, um, you know, we get up tomorrow morning, who knows what the Lord's going to ask us to do. So don't, um, you know, don't think that, you know, that, it, you know, boy, you know, you know, we read this stuff and we say, gee, Lord, you know, I'd like to be like Philip, you know, or I'd like to be, you know, just be like you. Just be like you and be available, and God will use you. You know, they're not going to write any more of the Bible, so, you know, we're, you know, you're not going to make it into the Bible, but you know what? One day you're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, thanks. Man, coming from him, wow, isn't that awesome? So that's, um, you know, that should be some motivation for us to want to serve the Lord. So let's read um, verses 4 through 8. So it says, Therefore, and this is on account of the persecution, Paul is, or Saul is wreaking havoc on the church. And, um, you know, you can't, um, I mean, I can't honestly relate to what the church went through or the persecution that the church faces today. Unless you've gone to a third world country or overseas and, have gotten involved with missions in, in other countries, um, you really, at least I couldn't. I couldn't relate till I was actually someplace else and was treated differently because of my faith. But, um, you know, this persecution was real, was real. And, um, you know, people were getting, um, you know, dragged off to prison. Men, women, people were being, you know, martyred for their faith. Like I said, Stephen had just been martyred. Um, so um, as we read this, you know, try to keep that in mind. You know, this isn't like Philip's just changing locations and, you know, everything's fine. You know, how close he was to Stephen, I don't know, but it must have had an impact on him, right, seeing Stephen, you know, be martyred that way. So don't don't read over this stuff. Try to let it kind of soak in a little bit and, you know, try to figure, you know, man, these guys, it must have been difficult. So, but in spite of the difficulty, it's, it's just amazing to see um, the character of Philip. It says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Every place they went, they were preaching the word of God. Preaching the word. And, you know, I was thinking about that, you know, so they're, they're, they're leaving Jerusalem, they're, they're, <laughs> They're bumping into people as they go. You know, where are you going? What happened? And, you know, they're telling them what happened. They're telling them about Jesus Christ, about seeing him resurrected. Some of these guys saw Jesus before he ascended, you know, after he was, you know, after he was risen from the grave. I mean, I just think they're, they're, they're going to different places, and they're just sharing Christ. They're preaching the word of God um, wherever they go in spite of the persecution. 
So it says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Wow. <laughs> great joy in the city. Stephen's gone in the glory. Philip steps up. God always has somebody there. You know, God, God always has, he's, he's, just everything is laid out. Stephen's gone, Philip fills that void. Um, nothing, and, and you know what I get out of that is, you know, and we say it a lot, but nothing can hinder the word of God. Nothing can, nothing can prevent God's will from happening. Nothing. And, I, you know, I don't know what's happening. You know, we all, we all are experiencing different things in life, but whatever it is, um, it certainly hasn't caught God by surprise, and it certainly isn't more than he can handle. And, you know, I know this is um, like kind of basic stuff that we think, but we, you know, sometimes we just kind of forget that. We forget that the sun is still in the sky, the moon, I mean, we're all, everything is still going around the way it's supposed to in the universe, and, you know, God is still on the throne, and I, I'm not trying to minimize something that we might be going through, but just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. You know, God's on the throne. Stephen's gone. Stephen's in glory. Jesus was standing at the right hand of God, you know, I believe, ready to, you know, go down there and defend Stephen. But, you know, I mean, he's okay now. But Philip, he's taken up the mantle with the rest of the church. So um, don't let anything, um, don't let anything hinder or get, cloud your thinking when it comes to the ability to God, the, the ability of God to keep His word, because there is there is nothing, there is nothing that is going to stop His will from happening. So um, you know, therefore, you know, it says it's so exciting. They they're scattered abroad preaching the word of God. So God raises up Philip. In verse five, it says, "Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them." So Philip goes to Samaria, commissioned by Jesus Christ to, to go and to, um, to preach the word. And, you know, he's being faithful to um, Acts 1.8, right? It said, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, I mean, they're just... Uh, they're just fulfilling what, what Jesus told them in Acts 1.8. And it's interesting, a lot, of this, a lot that you read in the book of Acts, it's, you know, it's just men and women walking out in faith on what they've been taught. You know, as they're taught the word of God, some of these folks you know, were there when Jesus was in ministry. You know, other people saw him when he was resurrected and on, um, you know, on the earth for those 40 days. And then the disciples. So, you know, everybody is just, they're just walking in faith. They're just um, living their lives in obedience to the word of God that they knew. And that's, um, you know, that's, what, that's our mandate, right? Paul exhorts us um, to live up to what we know. Live up to, you know, don't get confused. Don't get sidetracked with 
um, things that you don't quite understand. You know, those things you can dig out in the Word and you can pray and, you, you know, you can, there's all kinds of, liter- you know, information out there where you can study. But the exhortation is to, to live what you know, what, what you know of the Word of God, what you know of the character of Christ. You know, what God is speaking to your heart, what, that stuff, you know, live that out. The rest of the stuff will work itself out. So that's our big responsibility, and that's all Philip is doing. And that's what, you know, these people that you read about in the book of Acts, people just like you, no different than you. Born again, filled with the Spirit of God, right? Called by God. I mean, we're all, you know, there's no difference. You know, you you can can accomplish great things for God. All you got to do is believe the word and act on it. That's all you got to do. So we know that Philip was chosen in Acts chapter 6. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's just made himself available to, um, to preach the word. And it's interesting, in Acts, in Acts, chapter, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, um, it talks about preaching. Um, the word there is to preach the gospel. That Greek word there is, it means to evangelize. And then in the very next word, the next verse in Acts 5, um, the word preach there means announce as a herald. So Philip was commissioned by God as an evangelist and a herald to deliver his message to the people in Samaria. And think about it. God has commissioned each one of us to be a herald and to be an evangelist, to be a minister of the word of God right? We're ambassadors for Christ. So Philip is going to Samaria to share the word, to preach the word, to be a witness, right? To fulfill Acts 1.8. Um, you know, and that's, that's the call that we have. That's the call that we have. God has commissioned you. God has commissioned us. And that's exciting, Right? All right, somebody say amen. Okay, it's exciting, Dave. Sure, we know it's exciting to be commissioned by God, right? But it is. You know, it is exciting. It is exciting. You know, when, think about when you've, you know, I'm sure we've all led somebody to the Lord. God has used us to be, um, you know, have input in somebody's life and they get saved. I mean, and when you think about that, you think about that, you know, that person is, is saved. I mean, they have a relationship with God, and you had a part in that. And that's what God wants us to do, just to, just to play a part, just play a role, be a voice, be a light, be a witness. So it's exciting. You could jump right into the book of Acts and just kind of feel like you're right there, because you are, because you are. So he's a herald. Um, you know, he's a, an evangelist, and he's just leaving one area, going to another, um, you know, kind of scattered like seed, if you will, because that's what persecution did to the church. It scattered them out of Jerusalem and got them out into Judea, into Samaria, and eventually it's going to get them all the way out to the ends of the world, right, to the ends of the earth. So, you know, God is is doing a work. He's doing a work. Um, And one thing that I think we need to keep in mind, too, is that Philip wasn't, um, Philip wasn't concerned um, about, 
he was just preaching the word. I don't think he was concerned about the outcome as much as we think. He just went, he just went out preaching. And, you know, you got to keep that in mind when you share. When, you know, we, the outcome is not up to us. You know, we just plant the seed. We share what God puts on our heart. You know, and, you know, God is the one that brings the increase, and he's responsible for the outcome, not us. And, you know, that's, that does kind of free us up a little bit, right, because then there's no pressure. All we need to do is be faithful, to share the word, to be a light, and, and just leave the rest of it up to the Lord. Leave the rest of it up to the Lord. Um, so, like I said, persecution does to the church what wind does to seed. It scatters it. And, you know, as it's scattered and blown around, it's kind of settled in and it produces a greater harvest. You know, the Greek word for scattered there is dispersio, and it means to scatter seed. So the believers in Jerusalem were God's seed, were God's seed. And, you know, you guys are God's seed as well. You guys are God's seed as well. Um, You know, and God used the persecution to plant them in different places, and, um, you know, right now we don't feel a lot of persecution. I mean, we call persecution when somebody mocks us out for being a Christian or uses some derogatory, you know, term or phrase about us. But, you know, like I said, you know, we can't relate to really what real persecution is unless you've been someplace out of this country where people are really persecuted for their faith. I mean, when Aaron comes back and visits from China, ask him what it's like there, different, you know, being in a different country where you could get imprisoned for being a Christian. So just interesting. Um, Matthew 13, verses 37 through 38 kind of give us this idea about us being the seed. It says, And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the terrors are the sons of the wicked one. So, you know, we're, um, you know, we're a good seed. You know, we're the good seed. We're out there planting and sharing the gospel. So Samaritans, let's talk about them for a second. I think that when you read the Bible, it is a, um, I think that in, even in just this little section of scripture, um, the Bible gives us an answer to racism, to segregation. You know, when you think about it, Philip couldn't, I mean, Philip, the Samarians, Samaritans, they were like half-breeds. Um, the Jews hated them. They hated the Jews. Um, the Samaritans had their own temple. Um, the Jews would walk around, go around Samaria to, to travel um, yeah, I mean, they just, um, there was a hatred there over all the years. They were um, displaced um, by Assyria back in 732 or 722, and then they intermingled with, um, you know, Gentiles. And it was, you know, I mean, they just were hated by the Jews. And yet, here goes, here's Philip going to Samaria to preach the word. And, you know, when you find out that we're all one in Christ, that there's no Jew, no Gentile, no Greek, no this, no that. I mean, when you think about that, 
and it's it's really almost over in my thinking at least and um, you know you can't really go by my thinking all the time because I have a tendency to oversimplify things but if people understood that we were all one race and that we all came from Adam and Eve and you know the differences that we have in our color and our size and you know our whatever I mean all of that makes us different to some degree, but we're all the same. You know, just because I'm Italian and somebody's Irish or somebody's Hispanic or black, I mean, it doesn't make any difference. In God's sight, we're all the same. We're his kids. We're all related. And, you know, you see this in Samaria because Philip, I mean, Philip, he, you know, he, he's got to get over his prejudices, right? Somewhere along the line, he had to look past the fact that God called him to Samaria, right? I mean, if he grew up his whole life hating this group of people, and then he gets saved, and all of a sudden God is calling him to go there to minister to them, I mean, to me, it would seem like, hey, all right, so we're looking for a solution to racism. How about the love of Christ? How about the gospel of Jesus Christ? How about it doesn't make any difference what color you are, what size you are, whatever. God loves you. He sent the son to die for you. And you know what? You're a child. You could be a child of God. We all are, right, to some extent. So, like I said, I can oversimplify stuff, but I think it's a good solution. And you know what? When I grew up, I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood that there was a lot of friction between everybody. But you know what? Slowly but surely, people in our neighborhood got saved. And you know, a lot of that changed. Now, everything didn't change, of course, but you know what? We did. We did because God started to change us. We started looking at people differently. You know, so the gospel is freeing in a lot of ways, and I think it's just, it's really cool to see Philip just go there and leave, you know, whatever differences he had aside and say, okay, Lord, you know, I'll go wherever. And that's what he's saying. I'll do that. I'll go there. I'll go there. I don't care. Something to think about. Something to think about. So let's read verses 6 and 8. 6 through 8, it says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things um, spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. So... Philip not only declared God's word, but he also demonstrated God's power by performing miracles. Now, um, you know, God is still doing miracles today. You guys know that, right? God is still doing miracles. People are getting healed. Uh, You know, I've heard um, pastors from Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, different countries that you know, some of the things that God's doing in these countries would blow us away. You know, people are getting saved. People are getting healed. God is moving in a real powerful way. You know, so God is still doing that stuff. But one thing I would like to challenge you a little bit with tonight is that today we demonstrate God's power in the way that we live. Being a witness, um, the power of God is seen in a changed life. And that's important. That's important. And, hey, you know, and I, 
you know what? I pray for people to get healed, and if it's God's will, then they'll get healed. But, you know, I don't have a lot of control over that. But, you know what? One thing I do have control over is the way I live my life and the type of witness that I am. And, you know, we don't underestimate that because that's, that's the power of God in your life. And when you see people, and you've all experienced this, you've seen somebody maybe you haven't seen in years that you went to school with or hung out with, and they look at you and they sense there's something different about you. You know, and they ask you about it, you know, and you tell them. You know, and that's the power of God. That's the power of God. And, you know, Philip and Stephen both, out of the seven guys that were chosen in Acts 6, God used them in this way to work through them to, to do miracles, you know, to do all kinds of, um, you know, healings. And, um, you know, could that happen today if we prayed for somebody? Sure. I mean, I don't doubt at all. God can do anything. God can do anything. But something that I know that um, I can, you know, really have um, play a part in for sure is um, being that witness and being that light. And, you know, it's not just out there in the world. It's here, too. You know what? It's, it's being a brother. It's being a sister here. It's having respect for one another here. You know, loving each other, working through differences, right? I mean, we're, about, we're the body, you know, we see each other a lot. You know, but every once in a while, in case you don't know it, we have a little bit of a friction, you know, somebody has a little friction or, you know, you're in my seat kind of thing. You know, we got to make sure we have our seat. No, but, you know, as believers, you know, we need to do this as well, right? You know, the world has to see how we take care of each other and how we treat each other as much as they need to be treated Christ-like out there with love. So it's all important, but you know, it's all the power of God working in us. You know, you don't have to pray to heal somebody to be used by God in a powerful way. Let God work through you, through your witness, okay? And you know what? Everything that happened here was Philip preaching the word of God. That's where the power was. The power was in him preaching the word. The signs and all that followed preaching the word. It's the word of God that's, that's the primary here, okay? Um, you know, the people gave heed to the word of God because they saw the miracles, but it was believing in the word of God that got them saved. Um, let me read those verses with verse 6 now. Uh, again, and it says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, Okay. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. A lot of preaching going on before there's any healing, right? And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Um, you know, preaching the word, preaching Christ, preaching the word and preaching Christ. That's what we need. We know we need the word of God. We need the word of God. So important, so important. And you know what? Nobody, well, hardly anybody, hardly anybody gets saved because of miracles. Think about it. And I've been, I, you know, I've prayed that, Lord, please just do a miracle. Just do something for my brother-in-law, you know. Just let him see something, you know. And God is saying he's been looking at you for years, right? I mean, he's been looking at your family. I mean, what's, what do you want me to do, Dave? You know, 
so you know miracles and here this is um this is a little couple verses out of John 12 so it says um but although he had he had done so many signs before them they did not believe in him you know Jesus what, what he was doing that the word of Isaiah or the prophet might be fulfilled which spoke lord who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they did not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, and lest they should understand with their heart and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. So miracles aren't going to really do the trick to, to get people saved. You know, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. You know, and once we're saved, it's still the word of God, right? It's still the word of God. That's, that's how we grow. That's how we grow. So there was great joy in the city. That's the end result. So there's persecution plus preaching the gospel or the word of God, and the result is great joy. It's awesome. So the people in Samaria heard the gospel and believed, and they were delivered from physical affliction, demonic control, and most important, their sins, right? They were born again. But something to get excited about, right? You can see why the city was filled with great joy. So, and, and of course, uh, the next guy we're going to look at, um, Simon, is um, he's gonna, there's going to be a little contrast with Simon. But, you know, the gospel had moved from, from actually where Jewish territory into Samaria where um, the people were part Jewish and part Gentile. So God in his grace had built a bridge between two estranged peoples and made the believers one in Christ. And we're going to see as... Time goes on as we work through Acts, that that bridge is going to extend uh, to the Gentiles. And you know, guys, today we need to be bridge builders, just like Philip was. You know, we need to be men and women who will carry the gospel um, into uncharted territory. And you know, you might be wondering, well, gee, you know, I think the world has pretty much been explored, right? I mean, we're uncharted territory. Well, you know, there's a lot of things going on in our culture that have never been going on before. You know, there's the LGBTQ things, there's um, gender identity, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And, you know, um, the, the, um, the fix for that is the same that's been the fix for any kind of um, disorder or, or whatever, I don't even know the right phrase to use. But it's a relationship with Christ, you know, and it's just important for us to, as the church to build a bridge to different parts of the community to let them know, um, you know, that, um, that we love them, that God loves them, that there is, a, there is an answer, that there's a solution to the, to the confusion that they're feeling, you know, the, the issues maybe with identity or whatever, the gender thing, you know, they're... There's a solution for that. And as believers and as the church, I think it's important for us to build those bridges. 
you know, to be a bridge builder. Because, you know, it's easy for us to sit back and, and make snide remarks about that kind of stuff or, you know, say things really that probably aren't that, <laughs> that Christ-like, you know, but the thing is that God wants to use us to build a bridge there, you know, so people know at least that there is, a, there is, there is an answer, at least to give them an opportunity to make a choice. Because right now I think, you know, there's certain communities in, the, in just our city, okay, that think that the church is against them, that God hates them, or God, that there's no, uh, you know what, do you guys understand what I'm saying? That there's, you know, there's, there's not a way to get to God because of maybe the way they're labeled, people label people. And it's just important for us to understand that, guys. Philip was a bridge builder. He built a bridge between the Jewish community and the Samaritan community. And how did he do it? He went there just preaching the word of God. Preaching Christ. And, you know, it doesn't sound like it was fire and brimstone. It sounds like he just left Jerusalem and on his way to Samaria, he was preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God, being a bridge builder. You know, Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So important. And, you know, it's, it's still the mission for us today. Still the mission for us today is to preach the word. So we have Paul, the first person we run across in, in Acts 8, who was trying to decimate the church, destroy the church. And then we have Philip, who is a recipient of the, the persecution, right? And he, um, you know, the Lord leads him to go to Samaria. And we know that further on in Acts, that through the persecution, people went in all different directions. We even know from Acts chapter the end of Acts chapter 2, that some of the people that were in Jerusalem for Pentecost after, um, you know, Pentecost, that people had gotten saved and went back to wherever they lived. So, you know, the word is getting out. The word is getting out. Now, Philip um, is going gonna, is gonna to face, well, he's not going to face the adversity. He's going to um, kind of pass that off on uh, Peter and John. But let's read, um, let's just read about, Read the verses that pertain a little bit to, to Simon, and I don't, I don't really want to go much longer. So let's um, let's read verses nine through thirteen. It says, "But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished or bewitched the people of Samaria, claiming that." He was someone great, to whom all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Whoa. You know, it's funny because just a couple chapters before this in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira fell over dead because they just lied about some money issues that, with the church. So, um, you know, this is a pretty bold statement to make that, this man is the great power of God. So, um, and they heeded him because uh, he had astonished or bewitched them with his sorceries or magic, or divination, whatever you want to use, uh, for a long time. But, and this is like one of those but God moments, right? But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God 
in the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't, I mean, he just preached Christ, right? He preached the gospel. Nothing, you know, he didn't try to work his way around it. He didn't, he just preached the word. That's it, just preached the word. Um, you know, he preached the gospel. Both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. So, so just a couple things before we really delve into that, which we, we won't do tonight, but I want to just leave you with this thought. You know, it's, um, it's a basic principle in Scripture that wherever God sows his truth, believers, right, whenever God does a work, Satan will eventually sow his counterfeit. So, and it's already in place here in Samaria. You know, Simon's already been there previously, it says he's been doing this stuff, and now here comes uh, Philip. But, you know, you can, you can depend on it, you know, and it, read the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew. Uh, you'll see it there. You know, there's always there, it's that battle, that spiritual battle, the power of darkness, just fighting and fighting against the kingdom of God. And it, it's a real battle. You guys know that. You know, that's why, um, you know, we talked about this in our home study, but so important just to read Ephesians 6 and to really understand the importance of putting on the full armor of God. You know, being, being ready for the battle. Because when you wake up in the morning, you know what, it, you know, it starts. It starts. And, you know, I'm not trying to be pessimistic because we have Christ in us, right? We have the hope of glory. We're good. You know, we're good. We just need to get prepared, you know. I don't know, if you're dependent on your job, I guess you got to wake up and put on certain attire, right? Well, as a believer, the, you know, the Lord is saying, put on this armor when you go out into the world because you're going to need it. So it just makes sense. But, you know, and expect it. Whenever, you know, God is, when God does something, you know, it just irritates the enemy to no end. You know, because, you know, he just came, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So, you know what? Just know it. Just there's, there's going to be a counterfeit coming. And this was true with the ministry of John the Baptist, with Jesus. It was true for the apostles, right? Right after, read the beginning of Acts. You know, trying Satan trying to destroy the church from without, then trying to destroy the church from within. You know, he doesn't give up. He just changes his strategy, right? So just to be aware of it, the enemy comes as a lion to devour, and when that approach fails, he comes as a serpent to deceive. And, um, you know, he was one of his tools, and we're going to see as when we get together next time, is that um, Satan is, gonna, is using Simon. And, you know, if you get a chance, read through this, the rest of this chapter, Simon, it's, it's a, there's an interesting account in here. And um, one thing I will tell you that Simon, they attribute to that phrase simony, where you could actually buy position in the church or buy endowments in the church, came from this guy, who when he saw them lay hands on the believers and they received the Holy Spirit, he wanted to buy that power. You know, so he's a, he's a conniver, he's a sorcerer, and those guys back in that day, um, and they probably still do today, 
they trade secrets or buy and sell secrets to the way they, the way that they do these divinations or whatever. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about it. I read just a little bit about it last week, but you know he's thinking he could buy this, right? And of course we know that, you know that just doesn't work, right? The price has already been paid, and that was at Calvary, and the cost was the blood of Christ, right? So I mean the price has been paid. You know, we don't have to pay for any of this. All we need to do is believe it and accept it and walk out on it. So the next time we get together, we'll, uh, we'll pick up with Simon. Um, and, and when that next time is, only the Lord knows. But I really want to encourage you guys to spend some time in the book of Acts. And, you know, if you're going to read this over again, when you get to Philip, put your name there. You know, and start... I mean, really, start putting yourself into these scriptures because, you know what, it's, it, it's us. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to have a book of Acts experience. I don't know what it's going to be, you know, but God wants to use you. And God is going to use you. But you got to, like Philip, you got to say, hey, yeah, you know what, I'll do that. Yeah, Lord, I'm available. What do you, what's going to happen today? I don't know, Lord, but I'm available. And you know what, he'll use you. I, I'm... I hate to say I guarantee it, cause, but I'm, I can almost guarantee it. If you're willing, God's able, believe me, and he will use you. And you want to be used, right? Wait, I should turn the mic around so I can hear you guys. I always wanted to do that. All right, All right let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you so much, God, for, for loving us, for sending your son for us. You know, Lord, while we were yet sinners, while we were at our worst, you loved us. You redeemed us. You saved us. You sent your son to die for us. And God, I pray that we would never look at another person um, and not have that kind of love for them. No matter how much somebody might irritate us or some coworker that, you know, we wish would just go away. God, give us the grace to minister to the folks that you put in our lives, Lord, and help us to remember that, you know, at one time in our life, uh, you know, we were, we were just a, a sinner just like they were, and yet you were patient and long-suffering with us, and help us to be the same. Help us, Jesus, to be to others what you've been to us. Um, we love you so much, God. Thank you um, for calling us. Thank you for filling us with your spirit and for um, the Lord just wanting to use us. So we, Lord, we're available. Uh, God, we just want to be used by you. Uh, we thank you for the rest of our evening. I pray, God, you get us all home safely and that, uh, Lord, should you tarry, that uh, tomorrow would be uh, just a Christ-filled day. Uh, we thank you for these things and thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.